Welcome to Between the Bylines, a weekly podcast from the Boston University News Service, where we unpack must-read stories from the past week through the lens of student journalism. Hear how the story was made from the writers and editors who made it. It's November 11th, 2019. I'm Hannah Harn. So this week, we are in the studio with Divyani Chetri, one of our contributors, and Mia Chen, who is our in-depth and data editor, to talk a little bit more about data journalism and kind of the role it plays in our beautiful reporting lives here at BU. So Mia, Divyani, thank you guys so much for joining me. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourselves? Whoever wants to go first can, can take the lead. Um, hi, so I'm Divyani Chetri. Uh, I'm a first uh, semester grad student here. I've just come from Delhi in India, and uh, I've been working with data for p- the past two years. Um, and yeah, that's me. Great, thank you. Hi, I'm Mia. I'm from Taiwan. It's my second year here at BU. And I'm the data and in-depth editor this semester. And I just want to say I like data for now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, like I said, thank you guys so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. It's really great to have you here. So one of the first things I want to talk about for both of you, how did you get into data journalism? Because I know it is, while it's a niche, it is a growing niche. So I'm always curious about how people get into it. Um, So um, when I was an undergrad, I was doing a lot of internships, which were, which was like related to reporting, but one of my editors at one point said, maybe you should look into data. So um, I took a gap year after undergrad, and that was when I started interning with this place which specialized with data journalism. And I think that's how I got into it. I I went into it really blind. Um, I did not know what I was getting into. I ha- and I was, I'm very bad with math, so I was super mm-hmm. scared about getting into it because I thought that if you can't matriculate stuff, yeah. you'd be bad. But then I realized that it was just a myth because mm-hmm. if you know how to work the computer, things are possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that For was sure. me. That's how I got into it. So I didn't know data journalism be- before I came to Boston. I think it's like a new class in BU mm-hmm. since like a few years ago. And so um, I met Professor Maggie Mavichiel. She's one of the investigative reporters and editors members, and she sent us to. Um, so I was one of the representative to who went to the NICAR that year. Like that looks like so the, cool. And the conference. So it's like everyone there they use data to report their stories, and yeah. it is amazing because these data are from government or like government agencies, and it's official. So it gives more power and to your stories to like, this is true, this is what I say, because this is the evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I've actually felt about data, that um, if you if you work with data, the one thing that you always get is the kind of confidence that, you know, because uh, the numbers are there and your documents are there. And the only thing that you can probably like check out later is if like, if it's dated, if your data is dated in the sense that if your data is old, because your numbers will change every year, every week, every day. But and so I feel like data in like numbers are interesting also because they can seem boring. You know, you look at and data can see and data journalism in general can seem really daunting because you just you I mean as a I mean how I would start is that 
I would open a doc or a spreadsheet on my Excel. I would see a lot of numbers. Um, you know, where there are a lot of variables, there are a lot of categories, and that can seem daunting because sometimes these these data sets run into thousands. And you know, but the good thing is that um, once you start playing with numbers and trust, when you start finding trends in it, I think that's when it starts getting fun. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like once you start, once it, once numbers start getting fun. I think that's the kind of confidence that data can give you. I'm not sure if that made sense, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and some people think that um, oh, you are into data, you must be really good at math yeah. or something. But actually, it's not. It's it's more about um, getting information from the government, for example, like a data set or some documents, and you put it into probably Excel to see the trend, yeah, to see what is um like significant. More most significant in that data set, or what seems weird to you, and then you dig to it like other reporters. Yeah. So to get a little bit more specific, Diviani, I had the chance recently to look through the weekly wonder you did mm-hmm. about Boston City Hall energy consumption. Mm-hmm. So that not only was it really interesting to read, um, just kind of about how their energy consumption has changed, but that seemed like a very fun kind of very specific thing to write about. How did you guys kind of get onto that idea of measuring that? Specific data. Yeah, the data is from City of Boston data set. So it's kind of nice that they, the City of Boston, they have a um, website. They public. Um, they put on all the data they have to public, so you can download it. But um, it was um, I wouldn't say messy, but like it really takes time to organize the data because mm-hmm. um, the city electric electricity, they have it like I think fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, fifteen I, yeah. minutes. And so they locked every fifteen minutes of the usage, and then Debian has to like organize them. Mm-hmm. That was a quite a great job to do. Quite a feat. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um. So, um, I personally picked up the pitch when Mia pitched it because I thought City Hall as a as a concept in Boston is super interesting. I mean, this is where the local government sits, and uh, it's. It's also really funny that people think it's the ugliest building. And mm-hmm. It's just sure I, I just is. thought it was a really interesting, you know, public inst- public space to sort of pick up and analyze. And uh, the issue that I had with this particular story was that, as Mia mentioned, everything in this um, the data is um, you know it's it's uh, slotted every fifteen minutes. So mm-hmm. if and it and the years that they picked up was for all the way from twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen. Wow. So we're basically talking about over ten thousand slots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ten thousand slots e- every day, every fifteen minutes. So for me the biggest challenge was to just, you know, sort of organize the data yearly and also figure out what like and figure and also I mean if I have to explain the story a little bit but um, so the 15 minute interval is something that a lot of uh, you know you have I mentioned that in the story um, you uh, power grids are like utilities companies like Eversource what Mm -hmm. they do is when they bill you they will do it on the basis of your 15 minute interval but Eversource does it like with 30 minute intervals why they do that is because in a day your consumption pattern changes uh, based on your I mean it changes like it changes every minute changes every hour Uh, so what they do is in your day they'll pick the highest demand um, mm-hmm. in in that day and then they'll take that interval and they'll put that as your bill mm-hmm. for the month so uh, for city hall because it's such a big uh, space they use a lot of electricity 
and uh, because Boston is really cold. So yeah. it was super interesting to know that. I mean, it, it was it was good to see how they sort of utilize energy. Also, the fact that Boston is looking up, like looking to be more eco friendly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now because you know President Trump kind of just like withdrew. Uh, he said that the U.S. is going to withdraw from the Paris climate yeah. agreement. Yeah. So. It's, I mean, I feel like looking at a space and analyzing their energy consumption becomes a good way to see what we're doing. Like, it becomes a good way to see how much effort we're putting to sort of, you know, be more environment friendly, at least in such a space and such a time. And I think that that kind of goes to one of the things that I constantly try to think about in journalism and when I'm doing my work is what the impact of my work is going to be. And I think that that what you just said, you know, how this shows, you know, the efforts that people are making and the effort that the city government is making kind of goes to that idea of impacts. People have a better understanding of what City Hall is actively doing and, you know, active efforts to reduce energy consumption or to change the energy mm-hmm. they're using. And I think another thing that would be kind of interesting to measure when you mentioned that it was a really cold city, our winters are frigid, but I was here over the summer and I have never, like, that was humidity and that was heat and that was pressing and awful. So I think it'd be really interesting to see a, how their energy consumption changes over mm-hmm. a year, like over a calendar calendar year because I imagine January and December are going to look pretty similar and August and you know June are going to look really similar as well but for such different reasons you know in terms of power level that they're that they're consuming you know because they're cranking the AC in the summer but blasting the heat in the winter so I think that that that's something that just kind of popped into my mind when you said that Another thing that I wanted to ask you about was the most recent Weekly Wonder that we've got, which is the election campaign finance one. So tell me a little about your what your kind of goal was with this piece. Um, so uh, what I wanted to see was, so I'll, all right, so when I started looking at the data, it was basically their financial statements and how much donation they've received and how much they've spent. Um, so initially when I was looking at the data set, I was looking at all the candidates that there were and I was looking at their expenses, um, and trying to see who donated what to them. Like, so my goal was to see if there was, I mean, it's like, I feel like I, I also wanted it to be a little fun. So I was trying to see if there's something suspicious in those financial records, Yeah, you know, because, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's what I wanted to see, but yeah. Okay, so um, I pitched this story because, well, everyone, sort of like every journalist think that campaign finance is a big issue. And there are some big stories that they dig into um, some candidates' campaign finance and found some um, interesting or suspicious yeah. stuff inside. So um, I felt like for Weekly Wonder, we do more basic thing, but we can sort of organize like um, all the probably elected candidates to see who gave them the biggest money or where they spent their money the most just yeah. to analyze it a bit for yeah. like a entry level stuff in case like if we want to dig into it probably in the future and at least we have a basic knowledge about probably where to get the data what the data sizes look like mm-hmm. and what may be there and what is interesting to look into it and Davini, Daviani here like she's very nice to pick the story because um it's not at first, she was just worried if it is too related to politics, but it turns out it's more about yeah money. <laughs> the trend that I was looking at was what are the increases in campaign financing and mm-hmm. what are the increases in or the decreases and how have they changed it, switched it up? And I was trying to see if there were so that so a lot of campaigns, um, campaigners or candidates got finance uh, got donations from 
local people and that would be around $50 to $10 but then some of them got it from you know uh, like they had I think they had partnerships with what looked like big city companies and so they did get donations which are over thousand dollars yeah yeah so that's interesting because then you kind of figure out who's where and also a lot of them eventually won I had also written another story that I gave to Mia, which I think she's editing right now, was mm-hmm. about the low voter turnout that I sort of reported on uh, from one of the ward precincts in a ward. Yeah. And it was interesting because I eventually spoke to the people who work at the polling station and they kept they said that every every two years, whenever the municipal elections happen, it's just decreasing, like n- not enough people are voting. So I went back to the data set of, of Boston elections and I, and I saw that it's true. Every year, fewer people are voting for the city council, and it would be interesting to see if that's something that happens on the national level, the state level too, but I think that's for a later story. <laughs> but mm-hmm. at least for now, what I know, and so I remember talking to the polling station worker and I asked them, why do you think that's happening? Do you think it's, it's a, I think, it, do you think that not enough budget is given uh, to advertise the fact that, you know, elections are happening, it's for the city, and it's super important? And they also mentioned, um, so she talked to the, one of the, the this poll station worker talked about budgeting by the city hall because I think there is amount allocated for um, advertising during the election um, and also by candidates in terms of the fact that a lot of their finances go into uh, you know advertising the yeah. fact that you know campaigning so advertising the fact that there are elections and you should come and vote. But it's interesting that on the election day, not many people knew that elections were happening yeah. so the money angle becomes interesting there in there too because you're saying you're spending it on advertising but where is it going then so yeah but that was something so when you go into a data project either of you what's a question you have to you ask yourself at the beginning going into any data project mm, uh so i think it depends on the kind of document or the kind of data that um you're analyzing. Um, so if I were to be analyze, like the, if, I'm da- if I'm analyzing election data, which is related to finances, my mm-hmm. question would be, are there any excesses in terms of, you know, the fact that is there, is there some, are these excesses that happen when, during financing your campaign, which has a harmful effect on the people around or the citizens of that space. Mm-hmm. So that would be the election data for finances. But if I'm looking at something like the city hall, or if I'm looking at something like um, the amount of energy that Boston University as a call as a you know university space uses, then the idea is to understand the kind of um, is try to analyze like the question that I ask myself every time I start like, why does this matter? Yeah, you know. Why should why should someone care? Yeah. Why should I care about the city hall? Why should I care about the amount of energy they're spending? And I should care because a lot of money that goes into, you know, producing that energy comes from taxpayers' money. Yeah. And you know, and if I'm I pay taxes. Yeah. So that's the thing that I usually go with. Yeah. So uh, kind of on a more fun note. Um, one of the things, one of the weekly wonders that I kind of wanted to talk about was, uh, Mia, the one you did about noise complaints. And I know, oh, like, yeah. I know a lot of people <laughs> wouldn't think noise complaints, that's funny and entertaining, but I, not only was the headline hysterical, hey neighbor, your party is too loud, but I just really enjoyed 
kind of reading it about how, you know, just it was fun for me to see kind of where in Boston these noise complaints were coming from. So I was curious as to how you kind of got put on that track. Because my neighbor's music was too loud. <laughs> it was during the Halloween weekend, uh-huh. and I could literally hear their music, like every word, mm-hmm. at 1 or 2 a.m. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, I really wanted to call the police and complain about their yeah. noise. And then I thought, like, how many people call the police because of the party? Yeah. First, I want to do for the Halloween so um, I sent out the request for Boston PD to ask for the records. Unfortunately, they sent me back just, just today or yesterday. So I couldn't do that for that week. Instead, so I look from the Boston crime, instant crime reports to mm-hmm. see like how many noise complaints they got and where they are. Yeah. That, um, they have the detailed location in the reports. Mm-hmm. That they is have, really cool. Yes. In terms of Roxbury has a lot of complaints. Yeah. Well, I just thought that that was fun because I think, you know, living in a college town, there's parties and like you're saying the music and I you would think that kind of like Alston, Brighton would be pretty high up or Alston, Brookline even, but it's not, you know, it was surprisingly low on the list. So I thought that was interesting to me. You know, you the places where you'd think it would kind of get out of control, it it really doesn't. Well, we might, we might need to (laughs) think as well is that, um, no easy party is one thing, but the other thing is they got to complain if somebody... It's who's cold. complaining. Yes. So probably um, us in Brighton, we have like a you lot know, of people students. aren't complaining as much. Yeah. So what would you guys say are some of the hardest moments, you know, the hardest parts of da- being a data journalist? I think just the... I think the the most daunting and the part which actually... Because analysis is easy. It's actually the organization that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You know, you have these numbers and you have to make sense of them. And before you do that, you clean up the plate. You put things in order. So you do that by, you know, making sure that your data is, you know, it looks pretty. Yeah. To say the least. So um, I think that's the part which I find is very tedious Mm -hmm. because um, it takes... Also, it depends on a lot of... uh, on On the kind of way that... Um, like the document that you're accessing. It kind of depends on the way data is organized in it. Some of the data sets that I eventually work on are also very easy to work with because the organization is already super easy, you know? Um, so I used to, for the longest time, like I have, I just had like a lot of technicals problem, mm-hmm. technical problems at first because I have a Mac and so I did not have Excel. Yeah. And so I used to use Google Sheets and I still do, but... Um, I predominantly now use Excel, but back then when I used to use Google Sheets, um, what I would do is I would down I would download the f- uh, f- you know the file from the internet and then I would just try to merge that on Google Sheets. But after a point when you're working with a very heavy data set, even Google Sheets does not want it because they're like it's too heavy for you. Yeah. So then you sit and wonder what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that was just like a technical part of it. But um, after that, after you get the data on the sheet. The in the part would be to figure out your variables, your categories, yeah, and making tables, making more sheets, and then yeah, yeah. so just the organization, I think. Yeah, and cool. I think that the the data sets we work on are relatively easy. So like some other data sets, it requires you to um, use another program language to mm-hmm. organize it or to analyze it. It's more like a challenge to us because um, now we don't have like kind of class particularly in journalism department, mm-hmm. it needs some, like, computer science skills. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we, um, I need to probably work on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for me too. I feel like the next step would be is because I've extensively worked with data, so I've worked mostly on Excel and spreadsheets. I think the next step would definitely be like I I know a bit of coding, but it doesn't really yeah. yeah, but it doesn't really help out because I not I don't have too much practice with it. But I feel like if I figure out coding, um, a lot of my organization aspect uh, organizational aspect will just you know be a lot easier to do. Mm-hmm. because um, yeah cuz it makes i mean it's just the computer it'll just make your you know your process faster yeah. it's still a process it's still a process yeah. but yeah. yeah and it helps for the visualization as well so mm-hmm. now we only do like easy um softwares or websites but if mm-hmm. you know like more skilled you can have um more fancy data sets yeah. or yeah. that tells like people more information mm-hmm. and in- interactive as well also yeah. visualizations are so important because you yeah know, you know they they kind of uh i also don't want to assume also a lot of a lot of, my only gripe with data stories and i feel like that's also the that's also the part of the saturate like when you get saturated with story like with the data you kind of end up writing a story which sounds like a report yeah which is not exactly like even with the city hall thing i actually just i just felt like I'd, that if i had the time i probably would have wanted to go and talk to more people mm-hmm. you know get some human yeah. stories out of it yeah because data sh- data stories don't need to be boring they need to be yeah. fun they mm-hmm. can be fun mm-hmm. you know cuz eventually as i said if I, if i'm starting with the question why does it matter i should also have people in it yeah, <laughs> yeah. to tell you why it matters yeah and i kind i kind of think that visualization if you put into that also aids people in the sense that mm-hmm. it kind of concises or like you know it ma- it makes it sure tightens it, it up yeah it tightens it up and like people know what they're getting into and i feel like also visually you see those graphs and you see oh this is how much i've been doing and that's kind of good cool because that's like the first off like mm-hmm. that's your lead yeah. in so many ways yeah, yeah. cool well so what advice would you give to any burgeoning data journalists my advice would be the one that i gave myself mm-hmm. like don't hate something before doing it yeah that's true <laughs> that's it like um even 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 as even right now when i work with data it's not that i just see myself as a data journalist um you know it's interesting because when i started working with data i remember talking to to my editor in india and i said that and my story was really boring and the human stories bit the human story bit is something that he actually told me and he said that you use data to aid your narrative yeah you know you can find there are two ways of looking at it either you look at numbers and you find a story in it or you find a story and you use the data to aid it yeah so the point is that the data is just like a it's like just a tool that you're using so just treat it as a, as your pen yeah you know have fun with it and that only starts with the fact that, that, that it just starts with like having an open mind but even then when it gets tedious my hope like my hope and this is for people who are just beginning my hope for people who are into it like me maybe right now and still doing it just keep doing it mm-hmm. i mean just go on because it is i think at the end of the day it is kind of fun also this is the most and on the more practical side it is something that's coming up yeah yeah you know organizations are looking for it the skill yeah and it does set you apart but like i still believe like the more hopeful and the more you know like the yeah. optimistic side of me is like you know it's fun just do it yeah it's fun yeah well i'd say like what davian said um if you're doing a story try to find any data that like, can make your story more solid that's um like we said oh i'm democrats when Um, Democrats won the election in Massachusetts, but like how 
By how much? Yeah. yeah. Or like most of people are Democrats in Massachusetts, but how much? Yeah. Yeah. So it can br- it can bring your story more, like brings more evidence to it and mm-hmm. make it sound more. Um, how to say that? Like, um, more professional, more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it brings more evidence, I would I would see it's just like better supported. That's true. true. Yeah. Also, we as journalists, we keep you know we keep talking about the fact that to be to be co- a competent journalist, we have to make sure that we can verify things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Data is literally the easiest thing to verify. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. I think that's what I meant when I was talking about confidence. At yeah. First, you know, you just have more confidence in what you're saying because you can just you know it for yourself yeah. that it's true because you verified it. Yeah. yeah. And also, if you are a good journalist, then you're probably also questioning the data, which yeah. is also fun, because you know what if the data that you got is just. So that's something, I mean, I don't know if it's related, but that's something that's happening in India back home. Mm-hmm. So our government is, uh, like, it's been, it's like, it's being, it's like, it's criticized quite a bit to, like, fudge numbers or, like, what they would do is if the, like, if the growth rate is low, so what they'll do is they'll change the base year. So what that ends up doing is that kind of hikes your growth rate. So, mm-hmm. the, so basically, it's about public perception. Yeah. The government wants to show that, Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Our economy is doing fine. You're yeah. not in trouble. But that's not true. Yeah. And so and in that case, data becomes something that can be used as, you know, a measure to, you know, deceive you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as journalists, that's our job. Yeah. Question yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know. So knowing the fact that they've, you know, moved the base here is your story. Yeah. They moved the base here. They moved your variable. And now they're just trying to change the narrative. And so, yeah. Questioning data, working with data, it can be fun. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. Uh, So that is it for this week's episode of Between the Bylines. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. For the full versions of Divyani and Mia's stories, visit bunewsservice.com slash podcast and click on today's episode. And don't forget to join us at our pitch meeting on Wednesday at 5.30 in Com B29. So again, we'd like to thank today's guests, Divyani Chetri and Mia Chen, as well as our production team. Today's episode of Between the Bylines was produced by me, Hannah Harn. Be sure to check out our latest episode of Friday Five, where we fill you in on the latest news from Boston and beyond. Visit us online at bunewsservice.com slash podcasts for more information.